0: and welcome, intrepid listener. I'm your host, Devin C. Larson, voice actor and owner-operator of Killer Voice Studios, currently recording this podcast from my bedroom. And you're listening to the very first episode of what is sure to be, with your help, a hit podcast, a little thing I like to call Space Mummies from Planet x x x x. I have no idea when you're going to be listening to this, but Whether you're with me from the jump or diving back into the archive from some point in the distant future, just know one thing. I appreciate you. Yes, you. For if there's no audience to listen, does a podcast truly exist? I think Confucius said that, or something. So, uh, what even is this thing? Space Mummies from Planet X is an exploration of all things sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. Every other week, we'll take a deep dive into a subject or topic and examine its history, its themes, connections to other works, all that good stuff. And, generally speaking, it'll be a celebration, too, because who wants to waste time shitting on something subpar when there's so much out there that rules? Although, that can be fun on occasion, so no promises. A podcast of contradictions, I suppose. Now, full disclosure: um, this is my first one of these uh, hosting podcasts. Just one host, one mic, uh, Mark Maron style. Uh, it might be a little rocky. Stick with it. Um, we'll grow into this format together, or at least until I get a guest or like a co-host at some point. Um, I mentioned I'm recording this in my bedroom. Uh, I do have a, uh, booth that I do my professional work from. Uh, it's a converted closet and it tends to get pretty hot in there. So, uh, for a change, I wanted to do something in a place where it was at least a little bit more comfortable, but the downside of that is we might have some audio issues. You might hear a plane or two fly by. We'll we'll work it out. We'll workshop it over the course of, you know, the next few episodes we'll get into a rhythm. So, um, for our inaugural episode, I wanted to take a look at something that's extremely current at the time of this recording. In fact, I just saw it earlier today, and I wanted to talk about it. It's the latest film from director Jordan Peele, the sci-fi horror film, Nope. What's a bad miracle? They got work for that. Now we'll get to Nope in a second. Um, I'm going to try my very best not to, like, get into the plot too much. Uh, I'll sort of talk around it because it's very new um, and you really should go see it. But I kind of wanted to work up to it by talking about first um, Peel's background and then some of his other works and and exploring the themes and that sort of thing. So um, first, a little background on Jordan Peel. Jordan Hallworth Peel was born February 21st, 1979 in New York, was raised in Manhattan's Upper West Side and, from an early age, seemed to be interested in performing in movies. He graduated high school in 1997 and enrolled at Sarah Lawrence College for, wait for it, puppetry. Yeah. He told a Time Magazine reporter in 2018 that he was obsessed with puppets and felt that puppetry was something he didn't feel he could fail at. And that lasted about as long as his first class on comedy when he got bit by the comedy bug, and then first joined a comedy troupe and left school to pursue comedy full time, and the rest was history. Uh, he formed an act with classmate Rebecca Drysdale called Two White Guys, and then became a member of the improv theater Boom Chicago out of Amsterdam and regularly performed at Second City, Chicago. Now, it was during a comedy swap with Second City in 2002 that Peel met frequent collaborator Keegan Michael Key. The following year, in 2003, the two became regulars on the sketch show Mad TV. Peel remained on that show for five seasons through 2008. Later, in 2012, the two performers reunited to create and star in a little sketch show you might have heard of called Key and Peel, which ran through 2015 through for five seasons. It was hugely popular, won a Peabody Award in 2013 for its satire and commentary on race, and in the final season, an Emmy. Now, I'm a big fan of Peel's comedy, specifically in Key and Peel, which was where I first encountered him. Um, I feel that all the accolades that it received were more than well-deserved as the show probed the absurdity of what African Americans experience navigating everyday life. It wasn't a show that was trying to be preachy, it just used that subject matter as a starting point and did what every great sketch show does. It heightened contradictions to the absolute limit of absurdity as hilarity ensues. Now, I feel at this point I should uh, insert a disclaimer. I am very white. I am maybe not the best uh, person to talk about uh, uh, Jordan Peele's um, uh, commentary and use of race in his in his works. But uh, I'm still a fan, and I'm what you got, so I'm going to do my best. But uh, I wanted to throw that out there. Like... Uh, I may be an imperfect, uh, spokesperson for all of this. That said, I can't speak highly enough of his, uh, his comedy. It's so funny. Um, peel. I remember there are just so many sketch like, uh, bits that were instant classics. Um, I'm thinking of, he had one, they had one where, uh, they were talking about just how bizarre the names were for NFL players when they were introduced. Um, had I mean, like Peels impression of Obama and um Keel's uh, Keys uh like ang- anger translator, like I mean, it just it was something different. It it, it, it evoked uh, in some ways um uh Dave Chappelle, uh, the Chappelle Show, but um I, I think it went beyond. Like it was just really clever, really funny. Now, in 2014, uh, before the end of uh, their sketch show, um, the two appeared in the FX show Fargo as a pair of FBI agents. Um, Then, in 2016, Peel co-wrote the film Keanu and reunited, uh, take a drink if you're playing along at home, alongside Keegan-Michael Key as a pair of cousins trying to retrieve a stolen kitten from a drug kingpin. Now, this one I haven't seen, um, everything I've read is, uh, pretty positive. It got decent reviews. This all brings us to, uh, the first of his films that I want to discuss. Um, get out. Uh, you, this film came out in 2017. Peele wrote and directed it, uh, and ended up winning an Academy award for best original screenplay It stars, uh, Daniel Kaluuya as a black man, meeting the family of his white girlfriend for the first time and experiencing horrifying racism. Other actors in the cast include Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Caleb, Caleb Landry-Jones, Stephen Root, Catherine Keener. It's an all-star cast. Now, I assume that you've seen this movie. Uh, it, if you haven't, stop the podcast and go do that. I'm going to just kind of uh, touch on a couple of the general um, plot points without trying to spoil it too much. But I mean, like, I kind of have to go through it in order to talk about the themes later. So, um, briefly, uh, Kaluuya plays Chris, who's accompanying his girlfriend Rose played by Allison Williams. And, um, they're going back to Rose's family, uh, estate where there's going to be a gathering and he's only one of a couple of black people present. The others are basically a groundskeeper and a live-in maid. And, um, during the course of that, uh, couple of days, Um, there's a large family gathering of affluent, uh, white, uh, ostensibly liberal, um, uh, friends of the family. And, um, Chris is kind of isolated and there's all these weird comments and suggestions like made about like his physicality. And then, um, he has like a smoking problem and the mother, uh, is a hypnotherapist and kind of like almost against his will puts him under hypnosis. And anyway, the entire thing turns out to be um, uh, a mm, auction where they sell off Chris um, to one of the guests. And um, this is something that they've been doing for a long time. And uh, they have like a, a, procedure that they perfected where they can transplant the brain of um, somebody a a, a wealthy white person and put it into the body of whatever African American uh, person that they've lured there and um, Chris gets caught up in it uh, ends up uh, outwitting them um, escaping while kind of taking justifiable revenge on the family and uh, ends up getting away so that's that's like the plot basically um it's clear that uh, as far as themes go um there's a constant strain of just like fetishization of black bodies and athleticism um uh, there's just at the Uh, gathering as i said there's a number of people that are just making odd comments about just kind of like oh you look very fit and just kind of oh black is um in fashion and just what is tell us about the tell us about the black experience in america like what's that like And, and just really uncomfortable things um uh his girlfriend's brother is just acts like very like aggressive and dominating towards him and um it, there's no real thought or consideration given to like Chris as a person He's it, treated as an object, like, uh, uh, something to be uh, literally bought and sold. Um, another theme is clearly alienation. Um, from the second he gets there, he's just alone and surrounded by, uh, white people and just othered. And the th- movie goes into like how, um, Alienating uh for lack of any other word, that experience is uh for a black person um to be like the only black person in a group of white people. Um it's also seems to me that uh it's really taking a look at a certain strain of liberal, and to be clear, not all liberals are like this, but a certain strain that uh superficially tries to co-opt the struggle and identity of African Americans But their whole thing is not, it's not undergirded by like respect, but uh, just racism. Um, There's also, uh, I think, a element of how you have to trust your instincts, um, even when your rational mind is um, in control and telling you like, oh, it's fine. If you got like this little uh, voice in the back of your head that's screaming like run, this something's not right here. Um, you have to listen to it. I feel that's what the movie's saying. Now, um, it's as a it's a horror movie, so clearly there's like a a fear of death throughout. That's pretty normal, but um, in this one, it's also kind of like a fear of decline. Um, that the affluent feel. I mean, we all feel it, but it, it just the way that the affluent, the lengths they'll go to um, stave decline off and um he's talking at the party speaks to a um uh like a former pro golfer who who's just kind of wistfully like oh if i was like younger and i had like your physique like i'd you know i'd still be out there killing it on the you know golf course um and everybody just sort of desires chris's vitality, like. Um, a, num- a couple of the women seem kind of like aroused by the idea of Chris just like touching him, feeling his muscles. Um, as I said, the girlfriend's brother um, acts like really dominating, aggressively towards Chris. Clearly, feels threatened by that same physicality. The only person um, that appears to be like interested in Chris the person is this art blind art dealer who um, Chris has a conversation with. Chris is a um, photographer and but it, it ends up like that's the guy that wins the winning bid on Chris and um all he's interested in is uh Chris's vision his eyes and his ability behind the camera that's all um there's also uh this element of uh black people being treated like animals being hunted um there's this motif of this uh of of deer um uh, they when they're in the car earlier on in the movie, um, Chris and Rose, like, sh- sh- strike a deer that just darts out into the middle of the road. And um, later on, when Chris is trapped in a basement, there's, like, a deer head mounted on the wall just, like, opposite him. I- I'm thinking even down to, like, when he's escaping at the end, when, like, the when the artifice of the whole thing is just completely dropped um, by the family and his girlfriend, who it turns out to be in on it. Um, she's just hunting him down with like a, with like a hunting rifle. Um, and then also with the deer, uh, being struck and, uh, left to die by the side of the road, it, it mirrors Chris's, um, mother's death, which we find out, um, she also was, uh, hit and by a hit and run driver and, and, and left to die, um, by the side of the road. So the, like, there's these parallels there. um, there's also this uh, moment uh, earlier on um, where after they hit the deer, there's this kind of like really um, uncomfortable, uh, tense moment with um, a white uh, um, cop that shows up that wants to see Chris's ID, even though he wasn't involved and wasn't driving. And this is kind of like echoed again later in the film, like at the very end when Chris is like bloodied and he's, and he's like managed to get out of the, um, the house. And, uh, he, you know, a car pulls up with flashing lights, and you're immediately thinking, oh, God, like, he's screwed. Like, there, here it goes. And outsteps his, his TSA friend, um, Rod, I think. And, um, it, it's just like the, just the worlds of difference, um, when you're dealing with somebody that, like, respects you as a person and, uh, shares some kind of, like, common experience. Um, It's a disturbing and uncomfortable film. It feels so insightful into, as I said, the hollowness behind how affluent white people attempt to relate to black people uh, at times. Um, Clearly uh, well-received. In addition to winning Best Original Screenplay, it was nominated for Best Picture and uh, Peel was nominated for Best Director, which for the sake of trivia was he's the third person ever to be nominated for those three categories on in their debut film after Warren Beatty and James L. Brooks. Uh, I checked 98% still on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, damn, like you can't, you can't beat that. Um, so following the release of his film and and all the accolades in 2018, uh, Peel announced his intention to retire from acting Uh, He said that acting for him is nowhere near as fun uh, as directing. He then co-created the comedy series The Last OG in 2018, starring Tracy Morgan and Tiffany Haddish, which uh, is about an ex-con that returns to his old neighborhood after serving 15 years only to find everything has changed. Again, there's alienation. Um, He also wrote the YouTube premium comedy series Weird City in 2019. I'm not familiar with either of those, really. Um... Also in 2019, though, importantly, his second film releases, Us. Um, It starred Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke uh, as the heads of a middle-class family under attack by their doppelgangers, also stars Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker. Um, Again, I don't really, it's not my intention to, like, um, spoil this movie, but, like, I'm going to kind of, like, sketch out the details of the plot a little bit so that we can then examine some of the themes. So again, if you're interested in seeing us and haven't, I recommend you stop the podcast, go do that, come back. So uh, I'll try to, I'll try to be as light a touch, um, with spoilers as I can, but I mean, it, they're unavoidable in the way that I've structured this. So, um, movies about, uh, a woman, Adelaide Wilson, who has a young girl, went to the Santa Cruz boardwalk and ended up getting lost in the house of mirrors and running into her double years later as an adult, she and her husband, Gabe accompanied by their two children are visiting her parents' cabin when they return to the same beach boardwalk from her childhood. And it dredges up a whole bunch of negative memories. Adelaide tells her husband, Gabe about her experience as a child. And then their son, Jason uh, interrupts them to tell them another family is standing in the driveway. Um, the husband unsuccessfully tries to get them to leave, and then the entire family is basically taken hostage by what turned out to be their exact doubles. Um, Adelaide's double, Red, is the only one that can speak, and she tells a story about herself and Adelaide and how the government sometime, somehow like created doubles of people in order to control them, um, and that those doubles live underground in uh, just... Uh, tunnels uh, and abandoned subway systems and so forth just throughout the entire country the entire u.s us u.s i think that's pretty intentional um and basically how there's just like one soul kind of split between the two uh sides of this of people and um how they're the the people on the above ground they're tethered to the people living underground and those people they're living in ugly parallel existence. And on this night, they've all come above ground to kill and replace their counterparts in an event they call the untethering. So the Wilsons managed to escape, um, kill their doppelgangers one by one, which their family friends, the Tyler's, which is Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker and their two girls. Um, they're unable to do, they're immediately killed. um, The Tethered are doing that to everyone all over the country and eventually uh, stand hand-in-hand to form a Hands Across America human chain from coast to coast. Uh, There's a confrontation between uh, Adelaide and Red um, underground where Adelaide kills her double and then at the very end, super spoilers, um, there's a twist. We find out that the Adelaide that we're, we're familiar with was in fact the, um, doppelganger that switched places with her as a child back in 1986. So a lot going on. Um, this one pretty clearly explores, uh, like class and inequality. Um, I think, uh, there's an element of this kind of like fear and envy we have for our neighbors. Um, Uh, Gabe and Tim Heidecker's character, whose name escapes me, um, they have this kind of, like, one-upsmanship rivalry. Like, they're all very um, well-off, kind of bougie. And uh, um, Gabe is, like, trying to kind of keep up with the Joneses, like, gets a boat and and all this stuff. And um, I think uh, the doppelgangers, like they look like us because they are us. We just d- disregard them and don't recognize them. And, um, it's pretty clearly a commentary on, uh, the economically disadvantaged, the, um, uh, unhoused that, um, populate the, the country. And, uh, we're connected to them, uh, in a way that we just refuse to recognize, and in this metaphor, literally walk on top of, cause they live underground. And, um, I wonder if like maybe the significance of the doppelgangers in a sense is they're supposed to remind us of, uh, that would be us if we were to fall into poverty and it, maybe it's what scares us and keeps pushing us to earn and having all these pointless luxuries. Right. Um, I think the hands across America thing uh it's like a callback to like a commercial that Adelaide saw when she was a child at the very beginning of the movie. Um and I think the plan is to make a statement of like unity across the country and just also just be proud and and above ground and in in the sun, open in the sunlight. Um and yeah, so, I mean, it's a intense, um, movie shot very well. All his films have beautiful cinematography clearly has, um, a lot of messages that it's attempting to explore in very metaphoric terms. Um, this one for me, so the explanation, uh, about where the doppelgangers come from, is, stretches my suspension of disbelief to the breaking point. Like I know the explanation isn't necessarily like the part, uh, that you're supposed to focus on, but I've stuff like that for me, it has to be consistent within the world of the movie and just the kind of explanation of, Oh, there just is our doubles created by the government for mind control. I don't know. Um, just feels like a, just a rough sketch of like an explanation. And it just, for me, it doesn't work. Um, and not to be reductive, but this movie, uh, outside of like sketching out the premise and like the setup at the beginning, it's just a lot of like murder and fear and running and, and just kind of like using your individual talents to, uh, survive, which to be fair, most horror films fall into that category. Most horror films aren't trying to have a message, but that's one of the things that, um, Jordan Peel makes Jordan Peele's work. More interesting is that it has depth to it um there is a funny bit uh kind of like towards the middle end of the movie where um the wilsons are just uh inured to the um the violence of it all like they've uh killed the doppelgangers of their uh, family friends and they're just like sitting watching tv next to their dead friends bodies on the floor um it's played for comedy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just, I, I, it's not a bad movie. Um, it's got a lot going for it. Uh, I appreciate it attempting to, uh, grapple with something kind of like larger to say about like how we treat, um, people that, you know, if not for, things being different, that would be us. Um, but it feels like it's, it's not as strong for me. Let me put it this way. It's not as strong for me as get out or, um, no, which we'll talk about in a second. Apparently I'm the, uh, outlier because film was critically praised. I checked. It has a 93% on rotten tomatoes, but that's us. Um, so after that, Peel created and narrated the Twilight Zone reboot um 2019 to 2020 on CBS All Access. Uh in 2020 he produced the HBO series uh Lovecraft Country which I need to get back uh, into like I saw a few episodes really interesting um the Lovecraft mythos which I'm sure we'll touch on in later episodes is um does not do African-Americans justice. Uh it's pretty racist so Um, kind of, uh, putting a twist on that and having like the protagonist, um, be African American himself and, and kind of attempting to approach the mythos through that, uh, lens is interesting. Um, in 2021, uh, co-wrote and produced Candyman, uh, which was a spiritual sequel to the 1992 original The movie suffered some delays and eventually released to positive reviews. Okay. So that's all leading us to the actual like subject of our discussion today, um, which is his latest film, uh, Nope, which um, as of this recording just came out yesterday. Uh, the star, uh, this film stars Daniel Kaluuya again, um, returning to work with um, Peele, uh, also Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, and it has a really sweet cameo by Keith David. Um, I'm going to talk way less uh, about uh, the plot than I did the other two films. Um, I'm going to talk around like very specific um, uh, plot points and I'm really not going to give you much more than what you can get out of the trailer, like the very beginning of the movie deliberately, because you should see it. It it deserves to be seen in a theater. Okay. So roughly the uh, clue. Is OJ. Um, Palmer is uh, M. Haywood, brother and sister, and they're heirs to a horse training ranch for film and uh, television and commercials. At the very beginning of the film, their father is uh, killed by being struck by debris that rains out of the sky. The ranch has since fallen on hard financial times. O.J.'s been forced to sell off horses to the nearby Juniper's Claim Old West Carnival, which is run by um, Stephen Yoon playing Ricky Jupe Park jupe we find out was a child actor that witnessed something horrible as a child involving the exploitation of an animal gone wrong then odd phenomena start to occur around the ranch and oj discovers that there's a ufo in the skies and together with his sister m they set out to get a clear photographic they set out to get clear photographic evidence of it and then the uh fame and fortune that um they imagine will come from that That's about as much as I'm going to get into the plot, but it gives you a rough idea of like where it's starting. Now, this one seems to be, so we had, uh, the first movie, um, focusing on just kind of like race, uh, specifically and how black people are fetishized and treated. The second film is about class. This one seems to be about exploitation. Um, the legacy of people that work in Hollywood and then, uh, family bonds. Uh, more, I think most specifically, it seems to be a commentary on Hollywood and how, uh, like getting the shot, be it a commercial or evidence of UFOs completely trumps the well-being of people and or animals. That's where the exploitation comes in. It's just, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is getting what you need. Um, it seems that economic depression is also kind of a, a uh, recurring element Motivates the risk-taking behavior um, The ranch falls into financial precarity Then that leads to the selling off of horses Then that leads to the uh, OJ&M Putting themselves in increasing physical harms way um, By trying to lure out the UFO And get uh, evidence of it um, The movie very pointedly Is also ex- examining the exploitation of animals on film Um, The Haywood Ranch, uh, the OJ um, who runs it, uh, he clearly has like an ethical um, um, approach to uh, how they care for their horses. Um, It's just part of the legacy of that ranch. And whereas the Haywoods try to do it ethically, um, keeping the well-being of the animals in mind, uh, Juniper's claim that that they sell their horses off to more than happy to use them um, in less than humane ways. Um, There's also this like freaky unsettling uh, subplot um, flashback to uh, Stephen Yoon's character Jupe as a child um, where he, as I said, he witnesses like this uh, horrible event. Um, And even like the, so eventually they um, tap like a director to, Come out and try to get the shot, and 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 his whole thing and his um, free time is he's like editing footage of animals being like killed on on film, and um, it's just this recurring thing about just like animal well being is not uh, is not taken seriously, and um, th- there's just there's so there's exploitation of people, um, including. At one point, like, there's this like TMZ biker that's just only interested in getting, um, getting like information for TMZ. Um, so like exploitation of people, exploitation of animals, just a, a recurring theme. And then just also the discounting of, um, the legacy of, uh, black people in Hollywood. Like, um, at the very outset of the movie, uh, you, you know, they're talking about how their great, great, great grandfather was the first um, African-American on film riding a horse and they just don't get credit that credit for that. Um, there's just no respect given to their family legacy, but what ends up mattering in the end is the bond between uh, brother and sister. And um, that ends up allowing them to overcome the various uh, dangers and plot twists that come later in the movie. So far, it has an excellent critical reception. 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think uh, that seems a little low for me. Um, uh, I mean, it's not... The movie is excellent. Um, It's not as good as Get Out, but uh, I think 82% seems low. Um, So that's kind of all I can really get into at this point without just completely spoiling Nope for you, which I don't want to do. So, um, that's kind of all I can get into. Uh, but you should see this movie in theaters. It's got gorgeous cinematography. Um, comparisons I was reading have been made to this being kind of Peel's like Spielberg turn trying to kind of do a close encounters thing, which, uh, I can see that. Um, And given Peele's track record, uh, and I have to stress, I really did just glide through a good bit of it because he's very prolific. Um, It's only a matter of time until he writes and directs and produces his next uh, masterpiece, whatever that is. And wherever he goes from here, I have no doubt it's going to be worth the experience. And when that time comes, count on Space Mummies to be there, giving you the background, dissecting the themes, all of it. Because at the end of the day, I love this stuff, and I know you do too. So again, thank you. Thanks for listening to this first episode and supporting the show in whatever way you can. Rate and review it on iTunes, tell a friend, tune in next time. And speaking of next time, since this is currently a one-person operation and I need time to research the topics and, you know, make it good... I plan on putting out a new episode bi-weekly, or, in other words, every other week. Every other Tuesday, in fact. So, for the next episode, in two weeks, I hope you'll join me for a discussion of the landmark cyberpunk manga and film, Akira. Neo-Tokyo is about to explode. See you then.